Welcome to News Points on the Air, a production of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventist. I'm your host, Milan Medley. Today's episode will be the first of an ongoing series on a difficult topic, abuse, but more specifically, abuse in the Adventist church. This conversation may be triggering for many as it is an unfortunate reality for numerous people and more and more work is being done to educate spiritual leaders on how to properly respond when hearing about abuse in their sphere of influence. Our guests today are Erica Jones, Assistant Director of NAD Women's Ministries and Coordinator of End It Now North America, and Kendra Arsenault, filmmaker, director, and host of the Advent Next podcast. Kendra is also completing her graduate studies at the Adventist Theological Seminary. The two women, along with our very own executive producer, Julio Munoz, who serves as director of Sunscreen Film Festival, have produced a docu-series called Church Two. The series is set to premiere Friday, December 11, on the End It Now North America Facebook page. Erica and Kendra are here to talk about why they created the series and what they hope viewers will learn from it. Erica, um, can I get you to unpack, um, we're talking about um, abuse and within the Adventist church and the Adventist institution. So can you first unpack the effects of abuse um, within our churches and our schools, just within Adventism as a whole? Yeah, I mean, it's, that's a big thing to unpack, uh, but I think what's important for people to know um, is that we have studies now. Um, we have a formal study and then more of an informal study that show that abuse within the Adventist church, the prevalence of it, the numbers are the same as in secular society. So the numbers in the church and outside of the church are the same. And actually in some instances of abuse, they're actually higher in the church. So we're trying to make people understand that when somebody comes forward in, in the church, in their church community and says, this has happened to me, and everybody kind of goes, there's no way, that's not possible. It's time to not only say it absolutely is possible, it's also time to say we aren't immune from this. In fact, we look like the rest of the world most of the time. Really sad is when this is happening inside church walls, it goes even deeper than just the physical scars and the emotional scars. The way abuse is handled within a faith community has spiritual scars because the people around these victims uh, represent faith and hope and trust, right? This is supposed to be a safe place. And so when that same group of people says, I just don't believe that that could have happened to you, or are you sure that you didn't do something to bring it on? The impact is even deeper on a spiritual level. Yeah, and that's really uh, two great points um, from that that I feel the need to uh, repeat for our viewers. Um, the numbers of abuse in our culture and our community mirror outside of our culture and our community. And there are different forms of abuse, not just physical, not just sexual, not just emotional, but spiritual. Um, 
So that's pretty profound. And can you briefly, and then Kendra, I'm going to get to you, can you briefly describe how the Adventist Church in North America is, um, is working in this realm in terms of helping to end violence against uh, women and children who are most affected by this issue? Well, it's, I think several years ago um, when, you know, women's ministry specifically uh, kind of picked up the, the torch of End It Now um, and said, we're going we're gonna to keep fighting for this. Um, I think it was really about, it, it's kind of stayed within women's ministries. It just became, it was like a resource distribution center. That's really all it was. And over time what's happened is as we've seen the evidence and we've seen the problem grow. Sadly, that's what it took. We've seen the lawsuits. We've seen the effects of letting it go, of not calling it out. All of these departments in the North American Division have come together and said, we've got to work as one team here. What do we do? And so the last couple of years has really been about awareness. We've got to, set, to look it in the eye and say, this happens and it happens here. We've got to own that. We have to take responsibility for it, right? Uh, I've said this many times, you'll probably hear me say it again, evil, like mold, grows in darkness, right? It continues to fester in the dark. When we expose it for what it is and call it out, it can't survive. So what we're doing with End It Now, it's multi-departmental, uh, it's, it's a division initiative to say, we're going to build awareness by having an annual, not every other year, not every three years, but having a summit on abuse every single year with expert speakers speaking mm -hmm. to the faith community about what we need to be doing better and how to do it. When we educate the people who have the ability to make choices uh, in churches, when you're talking about pastors, elders, uh, volunteers, you're talking about uh, conference administrators, it's about educating the people in positions of power, right? Fairness mm -hmm. for everyone, education for everyone, but, but really specifically making sure our leaders understand this is happening and this is what we expect you to do. This is your responsibility. And all of that leads to prevention, right? That leads to safety for everyone. So that's the campaign that we've been building is awareness, education, prevention, drawing out this problem, shedding light on it and saying, we're not gonna stand for it anymore. And that uh, summit you mentioned, you just had one for this year, last month, and um, want to encourage people to go to uh, your Facebook page, End It Now North America, correct? And uh, EnditNowNorthAmerica.com or just End It Now? Not a word. EnditNowNorthAmerica.org. That's to, see, to see the summit, it was provided in English and in Spanish as powerful speakers and uh, really moving in uh, testimony. So it's really um, a powerful resource, just that alone, in addition to everything that you've said. And I also love that it's grown to be beyond a women's ministries issue because it's not just a women's ministries issue. That's right. It's a human issue. It affects each and every one of us and we all need to be involved. So the two of you represent a partnership and collaboration for the creation of the Church 2 film series. And Kendra, um, you are a content producer of podcasting. You work for Adventist Learning Community. Have you created content about abuse or abuse prevention prior to this partnership? I wasn't really creating that much 
content prior to this partnership. I think I just started Advent Next at that point. This was almost like two years ago, almost a year and a half ago, almost two years ago that we started. Mm. Um, and so that was when I originally, you know, got this platform to be able to talk about whatever I wanted to on Advent Next. Um, but no, I haven't really uh, created content, but I had done pretty extensive research in this area. It had been something that I had focused on for maybe a year or more uh, <laughs> as far as ac academically and looking at scholars and resources that were available in this area. So, but it's been a part of my life for longer than that. So I think that that's a part of the motivation for saying, wow, this is a really important topic that I think that we should uh, be more knowledgeable in and be able to create resources to help people. That's great. And so in talking about a church too, obviously there's a link to Me Too and the Me Too movement, which uh, the phrase itself started a long time ago, but the movement really picked up traction about three, three-ish years ago. And out of that, um, you know, we saw a lot of people either speaking up against abuse or saying nothing at all or saying something and it's like, uh, you know, you wish they hadn't said it. So it was all about seeing how people were responding to these, uh, to these awful accounts of people taking advantage of their power, using their power um, toward women um, in such a damaging way. So what, when thinking about our, our culture and our church, what were your expectations, if any, for how our church, the Adventist church, especially in North America, and not just like leaders, but also like pastors, you know, what were your expectations or what were you hoping for um, from them in response? So I think on the Adventist books still, um, you know, that it is not, you know, permissible for somebody who has been uh, in a domestic violence situation, been physically, emotionally, spiritually abused, uh, that if they were to get divorced, that they're not allowed to be remarried, right? Because there's this idea that, uh, you know, the only cause for divorce is adultery. And I think that that core theology really drives a lot of the pastoring that happens behind closed doors to victims of violence, right? That they're willing and they're desiring to save a marriage at all costs, even if that means putting women and children in danger because they hold the covenant of marriage above the safety of a person. And I think mm -hmm. it's our responsibility to be able to do better exegesis in a text and that religious power is so, it's so incredibly influential right? Because when people are thinking about their eternal salvation, right, they're thinking, I'll do anything to get it. And if I'm going to be on the wrong side of God, because I left this situation, then I'm going to stay. Even if that means that I end up getting killed, I'll die a martyr, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a powerful and frightening motivator for victims to stay in a relationship and for pastors and leaders to be able to help those people better exegete that text and say, look, you know, God is not calling you uh, uh, to, to martyrdom in this situation. Uh, you know, he counsels in many situations. If you can get your freedom, do it. And I think that we need to be better protectors of the flock and, you know, <laughs> really, really not giving somebody hope, 
I don't think it's enough. And this is just me speaking entirely on behalf of Kendra. I don't think it's enough for the church to say, you may leave this marriage, but you must forever live as a widow. I don't think that that even provides hope, especially for somebody who's in the midst of the situation and they're wondering what their future is going to look like. And if you place a brick wall in front of them and say, you can leave, you'll have the relief of not being abused, but you'll have a very lonely road ahead of you. And I think that's just, it's just so much. It's too much mentally for people to bear. And we have to begin to open up the doors of possibility and hope because I don't think these are burdens that Christ has placed on people. Wow, wow. And Erica, you know, you've been in this, in this sphere for a while in terms of your, your work um, to help end violence against women, you know, on behalf of the Adventist Church. So what were your expectations for, you know, you, you work in the institution and you talk to a lot of women or a lot of Adventist leaders on the ground at a different level. So what were you hoping for? You know, I think one of the questions that anyone working in this context gets is, why don't they just leave? Why don't they just leave? They have, they have control over that. They could just walk out. Well, number one, they really don't understand the dynamics of abuse. And number two, the dynamics of abuse within a Christian home are even more complicated. Um, and that speaks to what Kendra is saying. You know, we have research that shows that more than 60% of victims go to their pastor first. When they're ready to speak up and get help, they go to their pastor first. And more than any other, um, it, that more than any other category, pastors kind of go, maybe not outspoken, but they're going, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what to do. I wasn't trained for this. And sadly, even when they know that, they try. And so our message to them within it now has been, you're not a trained counselor. You don't do marriage counseling in an abuse situation. Hmm. Your ability is to know how to refer her. And so that's what we've provided to pastors, administrators to say, we don't expect you to be an expert, but we're giving you a very simple roadmap here so that you don't do more damage. Because what we hear over and over and over again is the woman, the victim is victimized all over again when she finally gets that, 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 that courage, that ability to go to somebody and say, this is happening to me. And that person says, really? or that's your cross to bear, or, well, you're married to him, so let's try the absolute, it's, it's, it's abuse on top of abuse, and that's what we're trying to undo and to educate people about, Um, so if our, you know, it's kind of easy, in a sense, for people who have not had any experience in this to, to just kind of put it over there in a nice little box and say, it's not here, this film is going to show them number one, that it is there, and that these just aren't numbers on a piece of paper. These are people. And as I think, I don't know if it made it into the film, Kendra, or not, but I know in one of the interviews, um, uh, one of the speakers said, Jesus didn't die for marriage. He died for people. Hmm. Wow. He didn't die for the marriage covenant. He died to save us. And that individual's safety, their life, is more important. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's heavy and so like profound. It give it literally gave me chills. Um, so speaking, I'm glad you brought up uh, the series. So speaking of it, who approached whom first? Like, how was the idea burst, and how did it get started? 
Yeah, it's kind of a wonky process, but I think it started off uh, with one of my colleagues here uh, working at the Haystack, and he wanted to approach this project uh, to really kind of, for his own kind of personal uh, knowledge and growth in the matter, because he wasn't very knowledgeable. And so um, he had begun to seek out different partnerships. And as we began to see how important this topic is, we wanted to partner out with more people uh, like North America, End It Now, North America, uh, Erica, and just uh, more people who are gonna be able to provide better counsel and vision and direction so that this can be handled at the best level possible. Yeah, and about when was that? When was that um, partnership forged, Erica? Yeah, I think Kendra's been about a, a year and a half or so since we really started talking and kind of brainstorming and thinking about how this this would play out. Um, you know, where I can't take I don't take credit for for any of this other than just being supportive of, of Kendra and the people that she's worked with and interviewed and just wanting to support her in in her vision for this and wanting to get we're just we're just part of the vehicle in in getting there it's all the all the hard part has been her well Kendra let's get into that hard part a little bit <laughs> a little technical difficulty it's fine folk um so can you get into or, or if you're willing to share your production process this is a very uh, difficult subject to traverse in terms of finding people um who are are uh, experts or have experienced this, but then to get them to talk on camera. And um, I was given uh, special access to see um, the docu-series that people are very transparent. So how did you create that uh, atmosphere? Just kind of walk me through uh, the process. Yeah, I think one, you know, doing Advent Next as a podcast where I interview guests has kind of equip me for just reaching out to random people, right? And what I've noticed is that people are more willing to talk and engage on topics that they're experts in than maybe we might think. Sometimes we place people on a pedestal and we're like, wow, they're so amazing. How can I ever approach them? Uh, but, you know, just making certain contexts, people that I've been reading up on, uh, I think what we wanted to do is we wanted to make it initially, I mean, there's so many different the vision has changed, you know, throughout the course of everything that we're doing, you know, did we want to make this exclusively an Adventist uh, documentary with only Adventist experts or did we want to broaden it to the greater Protestant evangelical world? And so I wanted to broaden it a bit. There's a lot of great researchers and professors on this topic. And so I just kind of pulled from the bank of people that I had been reading up on and researching. And then when it came to, um, you know, just pre-production, we, we, we went back and forth, uh, even up to the day of, uh, as far as what style of documentary were we going to pursue? Were we gonna do a narrative documentary or were we gonna do more of an interview style documentary where one of the participants is going on the journey or are we gonna let people's stories speak for themselves? So what I've realized for the journey is that there's no better process like there's no there's hmm. not one that's better than the other it's just whatever you choose stylistically at the end of the day uh and even unfortunately i feel like we have more material uh than that's presented in the three-part series but i think it would have been great to put all of it on the front end but i think that at some point it might have lagged because we live in a a market now that is so uh 
what's the word like time is the greatest commodity to ask somebody to invest 90 minutes watching a documentary sometimes somebody won't put that time in but if you can boil everything down into three 12 minute segments Mm -hmm. that have essentially the story they have the information they have pretty much the essentials of what somebody needs i think that would that for us turned out to be better um Maybe in the long run, it won't, but uh, in, in my point of view, I thought, you know, we can make this really impactful in a short amount of time, and then we can provide director cuts, extra material yeah. uh, that we can bring people back to later on if they want to see the full interview and if they really are interested in the subject. So because the media world is changing, uh, we had to make some of those considerations. Did anything surprise you during this whole process, Um, whether it was something someone said or something you may have learned about yourself, you know, anything? um, Yeah, what surprised you? Oh, man. Uh, What surprised me about this topic or about this process came more from like maybe a creator standpoint, which is... At, at some point, I had like, at some point in the editing process of this, I had just kind of given up. And this is like, this is a project that almost didn't make it, right? This is one wow. of those stories of like, did this, I mean, I'm sure at some point it would have been completed, but I, I, I'd given up. I had lost confidence in my ability. There was a lot of like self-doubt that was happening. And also just the topic was very stressful. I, I saw not only was like the topic heavy and, 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 uh, touching upon certain parts of my own life, but I also felt the kind of importance of the work, and I thought i 'm not qualified for this right mm-hmm. and I think all of those self doubt moments that happen as a creator imposter syndrome <laughs> imposter syndrome, and there's so many people who are doing great, amazing, fantastic things, and you think, you know, did I pull this off did i did I do this to the best of my ability, and even in the best of my ability was good enough right and so you go through as a creator a lot of these moments and I think it was just uh, so that was not terribly surprising knowing myself that that's how I responded but it was surprising to me to finally have the breakthrough moment of just being like take pride in your work you know uh, I was getting that message I'd seen other people do some projects and they had taken great pride in it and I thought where is my pride in myself and the confidence in myself to, to finish it up? And when I sat back down to go back to the editing process, I had maybe 15 hours of editing left. Like I was so close to the finish line and I didn't know it. And mm-hmm. so it was very interesting to see that the finish line is closer than you sometimes think and not to, not to lose heart in the midst of it. Yeah, that's great. And I'm I'm so glad you were willing to share that because so many creatives or just people in the creative process hit that wall. I know I I've had like I've had those moments. I'm like, man, I, I don't know. Like you said, maybe someone else is more qualified, but thank you for uh pushing through. I'm so glad you um got that realization and that we now have this product, this uh docuseries. And I know it will touch a lot of lives um, because of that. And so what are you hoping, you and Erica, um, what are you two hoping that viewers will take away from this series? Erica? <laughs> um, 
I hope that after they watch it, they're not able to go into a church, into one of our schools, uh, to drop their kids off at camp without thinking differently, without having their eyes wide open about where abuse happens, how it happens, and that it is always, always better to speak up and maybe be wrong than sit back and think it's someone else's problem. Someone mm. else will say something. That's been the problem for far too long is that everybody's kind of gone, that's over there, it's not us. And we are here to tell you it absolutely is. And that doesn't make us any better, worse, and different than any other group of people. We are human, we're sinful, sin, sin can creep in anywhere. And um, unfortunately, in faith communities, predators know that most often that's where they're going to get automatic trust, hmm. right? It's this perfect blend for them to come in, find their spot, and once they're entrenched and their true colors are shown, nobody believes anyone. Nobody believes that they're capable of doing what they did. So it's time to wake up, to speak up, and to not let one more person go through this alone. Yeah, I'm even thinking, I'm sorry, Kendra, even in the series, there was one woman who said, or, or Renee Drum, um, one of the experts you had, um, maybe quoted someone, and she had gone to her pastor and said, you know, that her husband was abusing her, and the pastor said, I don't believe that. You know, that can't be so. And that's just so that's just heartbreaking on so many levels. I think it was Dr. Drum who said this and then she, well, I don't want to give too much away, but it just had um, a really harmful effect on that woman. And like you said, Erica, 60% uh, of women go to their pastors. So if we can get people, especially those pastors informed, properly informed um, and tapped in, it can make a world of difference. Um, can and to understand that Predators don't look like predators. They're much smarter than that. They don't come with a sign, you know, taped to their chest, beware. They look really charming people. They're singing in choir and they're volunteering every chance they get. Now, am I saying to be wary of every single person that's charming and nice? Just have your eyes open. We have the education available. We have the resources available. And one of the biggest things that I tell churches that they can do to start, because they're like, well, what can I do right now? What can I do right now? Well, have a watch party, number one, watch the documentary, and mm -hmm. then free resources and put them up in your church. Mm -hmm. Because women that's struggling, that teenager that's struggling and thinking, nobody sees me. Nobody would believe me. When she sees that there's something on the bulletin board, a big chart, for how to help a victim of abuse. When she goes into the bathroom and there's a little brochure that she can tuck into her shoe that shares how to get help, hmm. she says, my word, somebody's paying attention around here. Somebody recognizes that this can happen. That's the kind of change that we want to see. Yeah. yeah. And Kendra, what are, you, what are you also hoping for when people uh, finish your series? 
I hope that there is somebody watching who the information provided for them is maybe a degree of change in the direction of them moving towards safety, right? That I think a lot of times victims will look for resources, watch videos to try and understand their own situation. Is this abuse? What are my options? Before they ever make a move. And I hope that it's a part of somebody's repertoire of resources that they're reaching out and uh, finding, identifying themselves in, in the picture and in the story and seeing God giving them permission and the green light to start making steps to move them towards safety. And, you know, kind of doubling down with what Erica said, you know, that uh, pastors are better equipped you know, to not send somebody back into a harmful situation, for them to know their limits, for them mm -hmm. to understand they may need to refer out to, uh, to a different counselor, but for them as spiritual leaders to not place the spiritual bind of you must stay because that is your Christian duty to marriage. I hope that somebody can break that uh, spell. <laughs> and if you haven't watched it, and maybe what I'm saying right now seems very radical, but um, I, I think that God is more committed to us preserving our life than for us preserving a marriage. And I love what you said, how you want this to be uh, part of a repertoire of resources. So where can someone view this resource, this series online? After the premiere, it'll be on the End It Now North America YouTube page. And so anybody who wants to watch it can go there. And there'll also be director cuts. There'll be behind the scenes. There'll be a lot more resources on that page uh, for people who really want to just bone up on their knowledge. And it will premiere on Facebook Friday, December 11 at 7 p.m.? That's correct. Yep. Eastern. Now, Eastern. NAD Facebook page, December 11 at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Awesome. Any um, final thoughts you would like to add on this topic, on this series? Um, really appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having us. I'm, I know Kendra joins me in saying we're always happy for the opportunity to speak out uh, about this. It's not talked about enough. Um, we hope that by people watching these um, interviews, by watching the documentary, by just getting more involved, that they're going to feel, you know, kind of re-energized and encouraged to say, hey, they're speaking up about it. <laughs> I can do that here. I can do that in my setting. And, and we're here to, to help you however we can uh, to help point you in the right direction with um, with resources, in not just ours, but, uh, you know, tangible resources that are in your area. You know, all of our churches should be places of, of hope for people. Um, mm. if, if your church left tomorrow, if it disappeared tomorrow, and the community around you didn't notice, what was the point? You know, this is a great ministry. So it's, it's for the inside of the church, but it's also for the outside of the church. People are hurting out there. And if they recognize that there's a church that's doing something that touches a felt real need in their life, that's ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just a last word, you know, I think that projects like this do not happen without the support of the community, right? If we're not in this together, then it's hard for something like this to get done. And so I want to encourage 
anybody who is listening or will watch it, if they feel like they have talents right, to, to give to making a second project, and this is something I hope that maybe in the future we can crowdsource uh, the money to do a second project on sexual abuse explicitly, right? I think domestic violence and sexual assault and abuse, they're often lumped into one subject, but they're so intricate that they do deserve two separate um, documentaries to really focus on them. And so if in the future, you know, there's a possibility for us to do something specifically targeting that, you know, uh, we would love to, to get the support of the community, whether it be somebody's talents or their editing or visual skills and, uh, and, and, and hopefully the financial backing to be able to put on a second project like this, if you guys like the first one. So that's my, that would be my last encouragement if anybody's like, how can I get involved in, in creating content like this? Awesome. And Erica, before we leave, I want to give the opportunity if someone is watching this and they may need uh, assistance or resources or they know someone who needs resources and assistance, where can they go to get help? So we're not a, uh, you know, we're not a, like a crisis management organization. I always want to be upfront about that. And so really the first place that you should call is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. That's always the place to start. Um, there's also one that's specifically for teenagers. If you're dealing with, um, you know, sexual abuse or intimate partner violence uh, among adolescents, um, you know, the gov government does provide uh, great resources and hotlines. These are 24 seven lines uh, through phone call and text. Uh, if you're looking for resources specific to our faith community, uh, visit enditnownnorthamerica.org. Everything is free. Uh, we can ship them to you, but they're also available uh, for download. All of the archives from past summits on abuse are available there, as well as the one that we just had. Um, so just want to encourage people, soak up the information and be the change. Be the change. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of News Points on the Air. The Church 2 three-part docu-series premieres Friday, December 11th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find it on the End It Now North America Facebook page. You can also find it on the End It Now NAD YouTube page. That's End It Now NAD. News Points on the Air is produced, edited, and hosted by myself, Milan Medley, the executive producers of NAD News Points on the Air are Dan Weber, Julio Munoz, and Kimberly Moran. Graphics are by Jonathan LaPointe. Listen and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Share with your friends, give us a five-star rating, and write a review. Also be sure to subscribe to News Points, a weekly digital newsletter with news stories, special announcements, and ministry resources. Visit nadavenus.org, then click on news. That's it for this week. We'll see you in two weeks.